Welcome to Bookplate, your monthly quest for young adult heart quivers. Qualified co-hosts, please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Jenny from FYA and SFFYA. Hi, I'm Britt, also from SFFYA. And I am Annie, also from the San Francisco chapter of Forever Young Adult. The best one. The best. Although the Austin ladies might disagree. Well, we're still reigning champs, so... (laughs) (laughs) This month, we're talking about The Anatomical Shape of a Heart, which is Jen Bennett's first young adult novel. Bex and Jack have a meet-cute on the N. Judah Al train in San Francisco. Both being artists and sexy young adults, sparks fly. The book follows them as they find each other, facilitate family intros, and fall in love. Yeah, that's that's what happens. Yep. And it's it, real hot. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I know one of us doesn't agree. <laughs> it eventually got there for me. All right. But I like that it said San Francisco. It also made it really hard for me to just like let the little details go because I was nitpicking it like crazy. <laughs> but I just have to let that go. <laughs> Appetizer is fancy cheese and picking up strangers. <laughs> Bex and Jack meet as strangers while waiting for Muni, which is the San Francisco version of public transit. The book hints at and makes light of Jack as a creepy stalker, and then (laughs) Bex does the same. So my question, and this is a real question, how do you pick up someone in a public space and avoid it being street harassment? I think you have to gauge whether or not they're actually interested in you. Yeah. Some, um, some people are better than others. Yeah. <laughs> My most recent experience with street harassment, I was it was a rainy day, and I was walking, and this guy shouted at me from the sidewalk <laughs> and said, since it's a rainy day, let's make it a movie date. And I was just oh. like, whoa. <laughs> and I just kept walking, but I was like, what if I had just said, sure, I'm going to go get some popcorn, BRB. Like, <laughs> what Like, what kind of response are you expecting? I hope would have actually said BRB. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think in this case, you know, obviously since this is supposed to be a meet-cute and they're supposed to like each other, Jack is much, much more... Suave. Well, he's suave, but he, he he's respectful, too. She doesn't, I mean, she doesn't say no. She's not expressing any disinterest. She's obviously intrigued. She's not uh, giving him clear signals that, no, leave me alone, you know, with the, the crossed arms and the crossed legs and the earphones in the ear and, you know, do not look at me. Because all of us who have been on tr- public transportation, we do that thing. We, we, you know, don't look at them, don't make eye contact, you know, body language is shut down. She's intrigued. So I feel like it was it was cool for him to go ahead and talk to her i have to say that one of one of the most awkward muni experiences (laughs) i had was when i was waiting for the bus in san francisco and this dude was obviously into me but he never talked to me he just like 
made sideways eye contact and like got close and then moved away and then was playing with a skateboard really close (laughs) to me and and the whole time I was like so is this 1994 no this is I mean it's like five years ago now but Mm -hmm. still I was like do you want to talk to me because I'm right here just talk (laughs) yeah you could have, you could at least be like, "Hey, waiting for the bus. How about you?" <laughs> right? Where are like, you, you don't going? have to ask someone on a movie date right away. <laughs> or my most recent, like, marriage. I get marriage proposals oh on the street too often. <laughs> and yet, we have never been invited to your wedding. <laughs> it's so strange how this is never happens like a YA novel. Why is that, Jen Bennett? <laughs> I have to say, that was, like, trigger number one for me. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you don't hit on someone on public transit, and especially not on the bus. Ha- have you? Yeah. Well, have you guys ever had anybody respectfully hit on you on public transit? Because I have. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I was married, and still am. <laughs> but but I was married, and, and he was he was very polite and very kind. It didn't creep you out? No, not at all. Okay. He, d- he chatted me up. We talked. Uh, he... He apparently owns some sort of wine store. I said, oh, you should come see me sometime. I was like, oh, that's cute. And he gave me his card, and I was like, all right, thanks. You know, and then he got off the bus or off the the Enjuda, as it were, because that's why I love this book. (laughs) It takes place in my hood. But, um, yeah, he handed me his card. He walked off the bus. I did not feel creeped out or threatened. It was he just happened to be somebody who wanted to talk and... The only person who successfully hit on me on Muni was a woman. And we're friends now. Nice. But I also totally was not into it at first. She had to win me over. And that's funny. It was also the end Judah. <laughs> Maybe the it is the end Judah. Come on, ride the train. Ride <laughs> that's funny. I hadn't thought about that. The train of love. <laughs> No, I totally thought she was a weirdo. I'm like, why is this woman talking to me? I don't want to talk to people on the Muni. Well, I don't know. I mean, in contrast, I did have somebody like pet my hair and say, uh, your hair is really long. And I turned around and looked at her and went, yeah. <laughs> and then pulled it back, you know, in front of me. And was like, please don't touch me. <laughs> Gross. I have also had someone play with my hair on a train. Um <laughs> But it was in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) I had braids and I did a teaching program there. And it was in a really rural area where a lot of people had never seen a black person before. So this woman gets on the train and sits next to me. And she's just staring at at my hair. And then I feel her hands in it. And I'm like, what is happening? But it was a curiosity thing and a cultural difference. And I was just like okay still creepy <laughs> gonna try not to be weirded out but we became friends after that oh okay so, so she successfully no, so creeped yeah, on so you <laughs> so all three of us have stories where, <laughs> where somebody has successfully creeped on us awesome <laughs> on a train i have to say it was very real the whole like sit across from each other mm-hmm. not talk to each other but be in that like hormonal windstorm yes the eye contact yes the really sexy eye contact. <laughs> I don't know. That it didn't bother me because the way Jen Bennett set it up, in my opinion, it felt like they're both attracted to each other. They're both they both have interests that they clearly share immediately. So I wasn't too worried about it. Yeah, it just felt like 
witty banter kind of yeah i guess i didn't really read too much into it but it's all good well i mean it's a valid point mm-hmm. i mean if you're not into the guy and he's like haha i'm gonna stalk you that's a very real concern that yeah. a lot of us women have but but part of it is that you know that these characters are gonna end up together so yeah true it's yeah. why you know that it's, it's part acceptable. of the meet cute or whatever yeah I mean, I've also had a dude get on a train, this was in Europe, mm-hmm. and immediately propose marriage to oh, me no. and then follow me. And I had to take him to a train station to lose him. I had to oh pretend I was getting on a train, like a train to leave the city as a way to ditch him because I was really going back to my hostel and I didn't want him to know where I was staying. Yikes. And it took hours. Well, I've had somebody follow That's me scary. home off the end, Judah. Like oh, in broad daylight, yes. And he he walked behind me and he was like, "You're so sexy," Ew. and I know I I told him to fuck off and he he would not. But yeah, what did you do? Did you go home or did you go somewhere safe? Um, I walked around my neighborhood and had my brother on the phone and I said, "If if I don't tell you that I'm in my home, you know, do not hang up and and or or hang up and call the San Francisco police immediately." Yeah. But yeah. yeah, he was he was creepy, and that happens all the time. However, in this book, I felt like it was, like like Britt said, you know they're gonna end up together. So to me, it felt like witty banter and okay, and hormones. You know, they're teenagers. Yeah, teenagers say some really stupid things. <laughs> True. I also feel like my hormones do tell me to do and say stupid things, but I'm not a creepy guy like proposing to women on the street. You know. <laughs> That was my first red flag in this book. Oh. The next one is writing San Francisco, which I already mentioned. Living in San Francisco, did it feel authentic? To me, it did. And that's why I picked this <coughs> book for the December book club pick, because I thought it was fluffy and charming and fun. But also, you know, I, I liked all the art. And, and, you know, any book that's set in San Francisco is a good book to me. I think so, too. I'm blanking on the name of it, but it was another FYA pick with the girl with the thing in her eye, and she was a ghost hunter or whatever. Oh, Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that book, it was kind of just an okay read for me, but being set in San Francisco kept my interest even when the plot didn't. (laughs) I liked that about this book, too, because I feel like, oh, it's automatically something that I can relate to. When Bex got screwed by the same line that screwed me so many years in law school, <laughs> I on the very first page, I'm going, oh, yeah, I'm into this. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it felt like all the details were pretty, pretty darn correct, and which is amazing because Jen Bennett does not live in San Francisco, and she has never lived in San Francisco. I know because I asked her. <laughs> For me, the first chapter, there was a bunch of things where I was like, that's not capitalized, or that is capitalized, (laughs) or why would you say that, or why would you mention that, and not the Arts Commission, you know, full disclosure. (laughs) I work for the San Francisco Arts Commission, so if you're going to talk about art in San Francisco, I probably know just a little bit more Mm -hmm. than, like, your average person about that, and I totally was like, this person doesn't live in San Francisco, and I flipped back and looked at her her bio and was like, how is this person in Ohio writing San Francisco? (laughs) (laughs) Which is not fair, because we all like to think that we could put a book in any setting and make it feel real, but I have to say that I was a bit of a hater on that. (laughs) 
just to kind of offer another perspective, I was a journalism major in undergrad. And one of the things that we learned is what makes a story newsworthy. And one of those things is proximity. So if something is happening in your neighborhood, it's going to be more relevant and more interesting to you than it's if, if it's happening somewhere else. I feel like that can also backfire in some ways if we look at where terrible things are happening around the world. We care more about the ones that are more important proximity or cultural proximity with us than in other places like look at where Facebook puts flag filters and check-ins and things like that Mm -hmm. and not other places so I don't know I'd be interested to see how well this book was received in San Francisco versus other places that would be interesting I wonder if you could look at book sales or something like that for Bex's birthday they go to all these different places yes and I was like you couldn't do that in a day and I, I was I don't know maybe I was too much in my head but yes you can't you can't <laughs> you can't but if you're really hard. efficient if you're really efficient right but it's supposed and all to your be, trains are on time it's an all-day thing it's yeah, your birthday yeah but to go from St. Francis to Green Apple and then again she calls she calls the Legion of Honor Lincoln Park nobody calls that Lincoln Park she she does talk about Legion the Legion of Honor. Yeah, I mean I yeah. But Lincoln Park is around it. Yeah. Well, it's the golf course. Yes, and the cemetery. FYI. <laughs> but that <laughs> and the then history person. I know, right? But that and then like having Buena Vista neighborhood houses at five hundred thousand dollars. I was like, when were you doing your research? Those are nine hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, true. You know, that was the kind of thing that was just like taking me out of the story when I wanted to be in the story. I wanted to give it a chance. And I was I am a hater, though. I'm a a total hater. I think Well, I've lived here for almost six years, long enough to appreciate the details, but not long enough to notice (laughs) when something is not entirely accurate. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's in San Francisco. I know that. (laughs) I've lived here 10 years and. My family has been here since the 1890s. And, you know, I what you were saying about the Arts Commission, that was not something that occurred to me. And I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on what the city's about and that sort of thing. And, you know, there were a few things that kind of took me out of the story. And it's like, oh, no, not quite. But overall, I, I felt... I felt swept away by the story. I was I was happy with it. I could I could get into it and appreciate it for what it was. All the stuff involving Civic Center Bart, I Civic Center Bart is my work stop, so I go right. there <laughs> every day and it's gross. I know. Well and it's also <laughs> totally unrealistic that Jack could paint something on the elevator stairs. But to me, I didn't care because it was it was fun. It was a great... As you said, it was fluffy. And I really, like, I was in the dirty, gritty reality of San Francisco. Yeah. And I was like, I need to be in the fluffy San Francisco to enjoy this. Yeah, because it, it, it's a beautiful city. And, you know, if you're falling in love for the first time, oh, it's so beautiful and magical. You know, I've fallen in love in San Francisco. Right. But, yeah, no, of course he couldn't get away with that. However, fun to read. <laughs> Well, that and when you're not seeing, 
you know, like 20 year old young people shooting up, <laughs> like literally with needles in their arms yeah. every morning. I was like, I cannot romanticize this BART station. Oh, God, no. Well, hey, pretty, pretty, give me a smile. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and then her comment, there's a point where they go to the BART station at night and she's like, I felt safe because the street people were mostly harmless. And I was ah. like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah, not not entirely accurate, but personally, I didn't care because I just I just wanted it to be a happy story, and it was to me. Yeah. I liked it. It was hot. <laughs> Maybe you sh- too should say what you enjoyed because I only have more hates. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a sexy book, like really sex positive, which I enjoy in a YA novel, and. Uh, I liked that Bex was the non-virgin in the story, and that that was not presented with anything but, oh, okay, well, she's done this thing, and Jack hasn't, and that's cool. And he's, I I really liked when they finally did get together and do it, and he's he's like, oh, I've been researching. (laughs) (laughs) That That was really funny and poignant to me, because... My first boyfriend, he did a lot of reading on oh the internet. No, but it was a good thing. Like, he was totally, totally into figuring out, like, what you could do to lady parts. Because <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> I had a guy friend in high school who <laughs> asked my advice for going down on his girlfriend for the first time. And... He, like, Skyped me to tell me all about it and was like, yeah, I just got in there with a flashlight. I'm like, no, (laughs) you know, really explored. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, if that works for you, a flashlight, (laughs) so he could see what I was doing. (laughs) No, just leave the lights on like Motel 6. (laughs) What did you say to him? I just tried not to laugh <laughs> wow. like what did she feel like like the specimen of the evening you know i don't know i mean i presume she was okay with it <laughs> well i mean i i can say that you know when my boyfriend did that uh, my ex-boyfriend but when my boyfriend did that when we were young mostly virginal teenagers together he would tell me like oh i read this article and they thought that this might be a good thing to do and i'd be like sure let's let's give it a try (laughs) what the hell kind of like in this book which is kind of why i found it so sexy is that he he was really endearing in his i want to make you feel good and you know that's something that i really liked about my first relationship is that he although it wasn't finessed (laughs) it was it was genuine I have to say, they finally did win me over to the sexy. At first, I was just like, these two are so annoying. (laughs) I don't like either of them. They're both manic pixie dream whatevers, and it's driving me nuts. But then when she has her tantrum, again, another YA trope, there's a total tantrum, Mm -hmm. where she breaks this beautiful object that her like absentee father bought her, I can't imagine throwing something like that on the ground, but whatever. She does it. I can. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. That was hard for me. I was like, why the beautiful thing? The anger at your dad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Um, But right after that, she bursts into tears. 
and then it turns into a makeout session. And that was totally my style. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, the crying, the emotional release, <laughs> and now we can, like, you know, totally get sexy. And that was when I, I got pulled in. Yeah, to me, that was one of the, the most real things about the book is, yeah, God, we've all been that dumb teenager with, you know, s- too many emotions and hormones to to handle. <laughs> and wouldn't we all love to have some really hot person <laughs> you know, of our preference be like, oh, let me rescue you, let me help you? I think it's because he wasn't the hot person in my preference. Yeah. Well, I, she really gave a lot of details about their appearance, mm-hmm. and sometimes I like it to be a little more vague so I can make it more my preference. Mm-hmm. Knowing exactly what they looked like, I was like, ugh. <laughs> I felt like I, I got a clear picture of Jack, but not of Bex. How about you guys? She was Wednesday Adams. Well, I, I, yeah, I got the braids, but that was it. I think I didn't, I didn't she also get... was like the pale face and also skinny, but with boobs. See, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get that. I didn't, didn't get it at all. And uh, I felt like she was kind of the blank slate. Mm. I think part of the reason that I liked this book was because I read it immediately after Out of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> and it just was yeah, quick sorry. and lighthearted <laughs> and what I needed after that crushing devastation. I think that, like, when I first started it, it seemed like, okay, this typical love story, meet cute, roll my eyes. But I think there were just enough little quirky things that kept it from being too typical. Like, she draws cadavers and, like, yeah, his I love that. sister with mental illness and kind of the whole thing about being caught in her parents' divorce. And I loved her brother. Kept it interesting. Yeah. Her brother, Metalhead Heath. Oh, yes. He was... He was awesome and I loved his boyfriend and it was it was so casually inserted you know just kind of like life in San Francisco is you know you meet somebody and you find out oh yeah she has a brother and he has a boyfriend no big deal yep no big deal and also he's a metalhead (laughs) which is awesome (laughs) it was a little cliche for me but it, it totally was smart and it was definitely fun and it quipped along so it didn't like drag out what I was annoyed by. <laughs> the fact that like graffiti versus high art is mm-hmm. a main point in the book. Graffiti abatement is a huge issue in San Francisco versus like murals and right, yeah. street art and how you get a permit. I get calls every day, every week. People asking me about how they can do a mural or how they can advertise their thing. Spoiler alert, you can't advertise. (laughs) Again, that was really like I kept my head was like too much in it. Mm -hmm. You know, even she mentions Lotus Fountain. Lotus Fountain is regularly tagged. Yes, it is. Yeah. And then like the graffiti is newsworthy. Well, it's it's totally not. That part is not realistic. Yeah. But and when I was writing the discussion questions for this book, you know, I, I asked people, did they think it was realistic? Do they did they see a difference between murals and graffiti That's and street question. art? And you know, we've had some interesting discussions on Litzy. That's a plug for <laughs> for us. We are on Litzy. Find us, forever young adult. But it's interesting like there are some people chiming in from san francisco that i actually haven't met yet <laughs> and you know they're, they're saying yeah i love the i love the murals like you were saying 
you know, the graffiti is not so cool. And is it, you know, when you when you go out there and you put something on, like, say, the sidewalk or somebody's wall that, you know, hasn't sanctioned it, is it art? Is it graffiti? Is it okay? But I think part of it is that in this book we know the story behind it and the right. motivation and that it's, like, the special bond that he has with the sister. And, you know, when you just see graffiti on a wall, you're just like, no. But you don't... Yeah. You know, you don't know the story, I guess. I think Bennett took, like, special pains to make it, you know, oh, he's doing this beautiful stencil thing that mm-hmm. has thought in it instead of just, like, Jack was here. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, we could all do that. <laughs> well, I really want that final rise one to be done. On the on the elevator. On, well, yeah. it's the escalator stairs. Escalator, sorry. Which... Oh, yeah have been out of commission for like eight months. Yes. I've been monitoring it since I read this book. I've been like taking a picture. I've been like, oh, still out of order. Oh, still out of order. And really funny, she describes how they like build a shack around it to rebuild it. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that before. They finally did it. Like it actually exists. There's yep. a shack built around this escalator. And I was like. Maybe they read her book and got the idea. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, is this. Is this an elaborate, amazing way of advertising this novel? It will the rise be there when they finally open the? I re, I hope so. I know? mean, I, I'm sure Jen would be really excited to hear about that, <laughs> but I don't think M- Macmillan has that kind of reach <laughs> yet. <If only. laughs> yeah, her first uh, her first YA is with Macmillan. Um, her next her next Alex approximately. It, oh, that one which looks is really a, good. Yes, it's a you got mail um, shop around the corner retelling. YA retelling um that is with Simon and Schuster and that's coming out in April but nice. yes no I, I don't think Macmillan is is sending out people to beautify the city but you know I'd be I'd be cool with it can I kind of want to give the BART people like a copy of the <laughs> book and be like can you make this happen <laughs> please seriously <laughs> take notes well, and can we can we just give the book to every guy in San Francisco right. and say take notes? Or every guy that fits the the description and be like, "Are you a virgin mayor son oh, artistic seventeen year old?" As long as he's hot. <laughs> Are you a hot artist? Come and oh talk to God. Jenny, Annie, and Briv from SFFYA. We'll get you all set up. <laughs> We want to hear about your art. <laughs> oh, don't open that door. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true. God, there's probably nothing more insufferable than nineteen-year-olds. I've had way too many art. people come in to the front desk and be like, "Google me," and or try to show me their art. I'm I'm the office manager. I have no power, and people want to show me their portfolio. <laughs> Side note: We're recording in the Oakland Music Complex, which is one of the um, oldest like warehouse music studios in Oakland and Jenny thinks Green Day is playing right now <laughs> it sounds like like <laughs> this entire time it sounded like Green Day has been playing but you know that would be appropriate for my high school soundtrack <laughs> it'd be appropriate for mine too actually that's how my mother and I found out that we got along really <laughs> yeah yeah I thought I was rebelling I had Green Day's Nimrod, and I played it really loud in my room because I was a rebel. And your mom's just like jamming along. Yeah, no, my mom. My mom's like, "Oh hey, can you make me a copy of that?" <laughs> like, 
oh. And then I played Metallica, and she'd be like, oh, I like that, too. You're like, damn it. <laughs> and Nirvana. Oh, yeah, can you, yeah, put that on the on the tape, too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mom. <laughs> I want to go to dessert, which is pluots. Also, totally a thing I didn't know existed until I lived in San Yes, Francisco. my mom grows three different varieties of pluots. People love them. I love them. They're delicious. Yeah, they, they made, it made me really happy when I saw that in the book. It's like, oh, pluots. Yeah. I thought that was authentic. Then yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, San Francisco. It, yeah, and getting it at the farmer's market. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. It's rich people house parties, which is totally like a high school thing for me. I was not myself wealthy but was in a circle of people that had money and there was like a couple extremely fancy rich people house parties that I was able to attend as a young person where you know the parents go out of town and (laughs) kids have alcohol and other things and stuff goes down (laughs) in the book um there's they're like the faux newsomes basically yeah and uh, they have this fancy SF house with an elaborate deck system and guest house. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, would the, any of us could afford that? Oh my god. But it that was very that was really authentic to me. I was like, yes, this exists, and I know there are high school kids party at these houses, and I I want in. <laughs> oh yeah. When I went to law school, it was um, there were definitely people who lived here in the city, and they had a lot of money. And their lifestyle was very different. Um, Yeah, it was a shock to me coming from the Central Valley and coming here and seeing that a lot of money went up some people's noses. Oh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I had no clue until then. San Francisco uses a lot of cocaine. I mean, this is YAA, but (laughs) for real, though, that is very authentic San Francisco, like more than you would think. Yeah, I had no clue. I was shocked. Well, it's law school. Two people are studying yeah. late oh. night. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was another thing I learned about. <laughs> have you ever gone to a rich people house party? Did you do it in high school or later? Yeah, I have. Um, I went to a snooty L.A. private school where <laughs> celebrities send their children. Oh. So, yeah. Was it? culture shock for you or was it just like how it was I mean it's definitely not my lifestyle but because I was surrounded by it all the time it wasn't like earth shattering yeah it's normal in the book but then it's culture shock for Bex yeah yeah I've I've been to a few parties like that and also one of our book club members uh, her father has box seats to the opera and she's taken me a couple of times. And although I've been to the opera, or actually I hadn't been to the opera, but I've been to the opera house for the ballet uh, several times, multiple times. Um, going and sitting in the box seats is quite the different experience. <laughs> There's some really snooty old people. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't like it when you take selfies during the break. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, we're in the box seat. <laughs> They're jealous because they don't have selfie game. That's obviously yeah. The well, and well, and then some of them do take selfies, which is really <laughs> funny too. So yeah, yeah, there there is like a very different cast system here. The folks I hung out with in the circle, there are folks with money, with parents that 
would travel and so we would have house parties and that's basically how I got into most of my trouble as a <laughs> high school kid but I remember this one particular party where it was like extended circle like a friend of a friend and it was in downtown Seattle in one of the wealthier neighborhoods and the house was a mansion and it was one of these mansions where you know they don't live in 100% of the house you know they live in like 20% of the house but when it's a party and there are 300 to 500 Holy 16 shit. to 18 year olds I it was scary like I walked in and was like I don't think I should be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's self-monitoring yeah holy shit that many people I mean it was huge it was a huge house you couldn't see everybody because it was maybe five stories and you oh. know it's extended into the hill and like white pillars and all the things holy you know. crap something I'd never I'd never experienced and I definitely fell out of place and like I should leave immediately and what non-San Francisco people should know is that we don't really have big places like that or if they if they are that big they, they don't appear that big on the outside. Mm-hmm. They're set, they're narrow and they're set into hills and they have uh, multiple levels, but a lot of them are underground. Yeah. Or, you know, the neighborhood she's talking about, like mm-hmm. you see the front, but yeah. the decks are on the back and that's the yep. view of the city. Oh yeah. Oh, I've been to some places like that and they're incredible. Yeah. But yeah, everybody should know that you have to be really, 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 really wealthy <laughs> to afford that now. Yeah. I mean, there was a house in Pack Heights that sold for $21 million oh recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, that's the craziness we're living in. Yep. <laughs> we're lucky to be here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the last little bit of this one that I want to talk about is drinks, which is Fernet and St. Francis milkshakes. <laughs> they drink Fernet at the no adults party for net another thing that i didn't know existed until san francisco it's yep. actually like a favored san francisco drink of bartenders if you're a yes. bartender in the industry you drink for net i've done it's that very menthol-y yeah it's like it's a medical medicine herbal menthol it doesn't taste good but apparently san francisco drinks the highest concentration of this liquor I feel like the story I know has to do with prohibition and Fernet not being categorized as alcohol. So you could mm-hmm. buy it over the counter and not be charged with a crime. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I'll have to medicine. fact check that. <laughs> oh, I feel so sick. <laughs> have you had Fernet? I have not. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, you don't have to. <laughs> no. it's, it's not something you have to put on your bucket list. No, it's like... <laughs> It's definitely... It's, yeah, it's medicinal. Yeah. It's, it doesn't taste good. Although some people swear by it, and they have a ginger back. So if you're in oh, San Francisco... ginger back. Yeah. So if you're in San Francisco and you want to be authentic, give it a try. Or Fernet and or Coke. <laughs> Jamal drinks Fernet and Coke. He hmm. likes it. But he's weird. <laughs> I know a lot of people who drink Fernet and love it. I don't mind it, but a lot of it is a lot. It's syrupy. Yeah. It's too sweet for me. I can't do anything sweet. The piece that I want to talk about is Family Secrets, which kind of like (laughs) the whole book turns on the hint and release of Family Secrets. And I just want to know how that worked for you. (laughs) Why are you smiling? Um, Yeah. Okay. So I have a family secret that has 
come to light recently. So I just found out like a month ago that I have a 40 year old half brother. Yeah. That um, my dad never mentioned, has never met, just, you know. Doesn't seem to want to meet. No. But your dad hasn't met the half brother? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. He had a child as a teenager and wasn't ready to be a dad and just kind of never looked back and wow. left his mother to raise him on her own and he found me and my younger brother on Facebook recently. Oh shit. So yeah. your dad didn't even tell you. Oh no. <laughs> no. He didn't tell my mom when they were married. That's my life right now. <laughs> oh. Have you met him? I haven't. I have Talked to him on the phone. I've Skyped with him. My younger brother and I are planning a visit. So, yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you, you've you got a family secret. Did it work for you in this book? Like, to me, I think, honestly, the sister was the least realistic part of the book. But I didn't care because I was enjoying the rest of it. I liked the sister. I thought it was... I guess I wasn't so much thinking about the family secret aspect so much as the mental illness aspect and I thought that yeah that part I like yeah but I mean you know with the dad being mayor and I could see why he would want to like hide her away or whatever (laughs) um but knowing I mean you guys have been here long enough that you know that our mayor is pretty like everything they do is out there like right. SFist reports on it. Yeah. SF Gate reports on it. So I didn't feel like that was realistic, but again, I didn't care. Some of it, I mean, some of it is rumor and conjecture. Yeah. But I've definitely heard more s- stories just told to me in passing right. than like reported in the news. Right. When Gavin Newsom was our mayor, you know, people had all sorts of things yeah. to say. So well, Willie Brown, more so. <laughs> To be well, honest. I wasn't living here when Billy Brown was our mayor, but yeah. I mean, I wasn't oh, living yeah. here either, but I've heard way more serious stories oh, yeah. about that gentleman. People have some things to say. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't believe that you can actually hide it because, you know, as much as, as much as this is a, quote, big city, it's, you know, it's seven square miles. We have 800,000 people, and I cannot tell you how many times that I have personally run into people that I have hoped to never see again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there, there's just really no avoiding people. You are such a Scorpio. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, I run into my friends. And you're like, I never want to see them oh, again. No, I, oh, no, I've actually had the meet cute with a guy that I was completely over the moon for. Like, I ran into him, like, out of, right before my first law school final. And I c- kicked him in the shin. <laughs> Damn, girl. Yeah, well, we had that kind of relationship. And it was it was one of those things out of the movies. <laughs> and it was, it was great and it was fun. and that. But then again, every once in a while, I'll see somebody and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Run and hide. <laughs> you again. <laughs> Adam, stand in front of me. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tiny town. And I don't think that people who don't live here realize how tiny it really is. Yeah, it's nothing like New York. Yeah. Right? Oh, no, no. I think about that a lot. And I, I tend to have these situations where, like, I'll see nobody for months. Mm-hmm. And I've totally been an absentee 
book club member, which I fully admit to on record. But then I'll have one day where I'll see like five people I know completely unintentionally. (laughs) Well, and it's weird for Britt and I because Britt and I live near the ocean on opposite sides of Golden Gate Park. And, yeah, I don't know about you, Britt, but (laughs) I see so many people a lot. Yeah. I don't I don't even leave my house that much (laughs) on purpose. Yeah, I um live in the neighborhood where I used to teach so I run into former students all the time it's super awkward usually (laughs) do they want to talk to you or do you hide I like to embarrass them so I usually will go talk to them it just happened at Walgreens the other night actually um one of my former third graders who's now a fifth grader I saw her and I'm like I know her she's that same kid but taller and I was was just like hi do you recognize me she was like no. Your hair is different. I was like, I was your third grade teacher. And she was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's cute. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But you should embarrass them. <laughs> it's one of the perks of teaching. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The family secret thing I thought was a little overblown. Just because yeah. I, I feel like you could garner sympathy as a politician if you have someone in your family who needs help like at least in this world but well, the, the dad was written that he was not he was not aware of that sort of thing yeah and there's still so much stigma around mental illness there is that's true like maybe he would be in fit for office if he had had an offspring that was mentally yeah. ill i could see that yeah i think that's all i have to say <laughs> but i just want to recognize that even though this book was not for me it was very much loved by Jenny and I did think in the end I will allow it it (laughs) to have like garnered some sympathy from my cold dead heart but (laughs) (laughs) you'll allow it to exist (laughs) right I mean I love the art I love the art well Jim Bennett herself is an artist ah that was real. That yeah. was very. You could very tell. Real. You could tell yeah. that it was real, and I didn't know that when I read it. I didn't know anything about her, but we've become Twitter friends <laughs> over the last year or so, and she's she's very cool. And yeah, she she's told me that she she's never lived in San Francisco, but she is an artist. And if you follow her Instagram and her Twitter feed, you can see like the portraits she does, even the self portraits. Holy crap, they're amazing. <laughs> Do you think that goes hands in hand a lot? I mean, I came thinking of Maggie Stiefvater, but I love mm-hmm. the fact that she does visual art as well as the written word. Well, she also does music, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think creative people tend to find different ways to express themselves. I'm a total believer that everyone is an artist. So oh. I know you make that face. <laughs> Brit is making a face. <laughs> but I am not. But you say that, but... Being a good teacher is an art. Like, in my mind, it's, like, how you apply your gift. And your gift may not be drawing. Your gift may be teaching. And that is a really hard thing and skill set that not everyone can do. And I think there's an art to everything. Because you can do it in a very, like, straightforward, like, these are the things that you need to do. But to be good at it, you have to be artful. And you have to improvise. And you have to kind of, like, live in the moment and that's very much what artists do so 
you know that's my personal opinion on it yeah that makes sense I guess like when I think art I think like man I wish I could draw yeah (laughs) same yeah well we're in the music studio so so now we are artists right (laughs) but I I mean when I come in here I see all of this equipment that I don't know how to use right you know and I I feel like I'm not a musician but I know 100% I am (laughs) so it's just you know the hierarchy of art this is something that I've really been captured with recently because I think Mm -hmm. we have this crazy class system going on and it kind of divides us in all these different ways and in the hierarchy of art which she talks about in the book is like the graffiti versus her framed picture in the end and like the value of each which means more that's a great point there is there is a caste system you're right i think that's that's an excellent point and i kind of i like that discussion in the book yeah that was actually that was the part where i was like okay you got me (laughs) (laughs) just like yeah yeah she's gonna suck you in yeah she did it it. finally it worked (laughs) I'm still mad that Bex broke the the object. Though. I'm not. I'm not mad. I was mad about that. So backtracking to that the <laughs> comment I made earlier about well, if you're mad enough at your dad, ah, yeah, yeah. Have you broken something recently? <laughs> I broke something that he gave me when I first found out. To be honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. a necklace. No, that's yeah, real. Well. It's easier to do that than, like, to enact violence on the person. <laughs> yeah, although what Bex broke was actually a model of a person, sure. well. which is awesome. <laughs> Whack. <laughs> Done. Ah. Well, thank you for sharing the family secret story. I think that's really poignant. Yeah, I feel like there's no need for it to be a secret, so. <laughs> right, in your mind, you're yeah. like, why is this a big deal? Right. Yeah. And that is in the book. It's the mother that's keeping the secret. Mm-hmm. So, and the father. They're the ones keeping it close. It's like the younger generation knows how to share. Yeah, if they'd been brought up in age-appropriate ways, they could have dealt with it. Interesting. Thank you, Jen Bennett, for this very authentic rendition of San Francisco and how to love better. <laughs> love really hot guys. <laughs>